for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, you know how meaningful this verse has been to me through the years and, and, and right now, especially as we, as we focus in and drill down a little bit more into this verse. And I pray that, Lord, you'd give us understanding, not just mentally, not just uh, in our knowing, Lord, but in our doing. That, Lord, this verse would speak to us and show us how we might live and how we, you have called us to a, a higher purpose and a responsibility. That Jesus, just as Jesus would bear the, that the government would be upon his shoulder, that, Lord, the government, the kingdom is also on our shoulders as well to bear the responsibility of bringing the kingdom of God to our world. And I ask, Father, that you guide us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I should have said this before this. I'll have to edit this out of my podcast and what I upload because this is really more personal. We're going to have a baptism at the end of the service. We will turn this off because this is public. It goes out to everybody, and this is kind of a private thing. And uh, our granddaughter, Faith, will be being baptized and... um, so we'll be doing that at the end of the service. Matt and Anna and their family are leaving uh, right after lunch today. So Lori and I may scoot out of here pretty quickly. Uh, if Don't get offended if we don't greet you because we would like to see them get on the road because they have a seven-hour journey and then Matt has to go to work at 3 o'clock in the morning. So we want to get him on the road as quickly as possible. So uh, we'll be doing that. And I'll be cutting this out of the uh, podcast later. So... Anyway, so pretend like I'm just starting, okay? <laughs> I want to tell you a story. I may have shared this before, um, and uh, I, I hope this doesn't offend you, but it's just it's, it's a story that's true. Uh, I, uh, about 33 years ago, I was preaching in Wyoming. I think it was my last sermon in in the church in, in Wyoming before I moved here. And my brother had flown up to uh, help us move to Fredericksburg to drive the U-Haul. So my younger yet bigger brother was, was there that Sunday. And I don't know, you, you know, I'm sure we've all had, we've all had bloopers in our, in our lives, you know, in conversations and so forth. And sometimes nowadays, even texts, sometimes we have bloopers and texts and so forth. But I used to have a young person, a young lady who, who used to write down all my bloopers. She would come up to me after church and say, you said, and she'd laugh and giggle and say, you said this. And she just kept a record of my, of my bloopers. And, uh, but this Sunday, I was talking about a, a story of, of, of Jesus and his disciples and I was quoting Jesus when he was speaking to his disciples. And, and you know how sometimes your brain works much faster than your mouth. And my brain wanted to say a couple of different things. And my mouth tried to get in line with my brain, but didn't quite make it. And so I was going to say something like Jesus said, well, here or something like that. And I said, Jesus said, well, hell. And if I had if I had just gone on and corrected that real quickly and just continue to preach, it would have been okay, but I paused. 
And I glanced down at my brother sitting on the front row and his, his shoulders are shaking because he's laughing so hard, which made me laugh and everybody laughed along with it. But what was worse was, uh, I was probably 34 years old at the time and, and had been, been gone from home since I was 19 years old, got married, had, you know, was married, had three kids, yet my brother still, that afternoon, called my dad and tattled on me. He said, Michael cussed from the pulpit. And he said, what's worse is he was quoting Jesus. And so, there was that. I remembered that story because just this past week, Lori and my daughter Anna and I were sitting at the lunch table, or we're sitting at a meal, I don't know if it was lunch or dinner, and I was going to pray over the food. And so we joined hands and I was praying over the food and I, you know, did all the things, thanking God for the food and asking His blessings over it. In the past couple of years, I've frequently ended my prayers. You know, as we get older, this, this is something I end my a lot of my prayers with nowadays, with asking God for health and healing. And so, at the end of this prayer, uh, it it didn't quite come out that way. I stumbled with my words again, and instead I said, "Lord, give us health." And then I corrected myself, and but of course, that, that was caught. And um, after I said amen, I said, Lord, don't give us hell. <laughs> the world gives us enough of that. And of course, we know that God doesn't give us hell. Instead, Jesus told us in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen? That's a lot better than hell, right? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you go back to the other verse uh, we started with, Stephen, I want to talk a little bit about that. God wants to, wants to give us the kingdom and all that that means. We've been talking about what does this kingdom mean. We've been looking at this the past three weeks, and this is the fourth message in a series that I'm titling, The Kingdom in Me. I have one more message after this one next week to finish out this series. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted to skip to the end of a book because you wanted the payoff? You know, you, you're kind of working your way through the book and you think, okay, I, just, I don't need all this other stuff. I just want to see how it ends. And you kind of want to get a sneak peek at the end of the story because you want the satisfaction of what the end will be like. Or maybe you fast forward, maybe you're watching a movie you've seen before, so you know all the, all the stuff in the beginning, and you just want to see, you want it the last few minutes of a movie because you want to see the happily ever after. Well, that's the way it was with me a dozen years ago. I said that this is kind of a redo or a remake, refresh, whatever you want to call it, of a message I did 12 years ago called A New Level, and that was about eight messages, uh, so it's a much shorter version of it, but I think a better version of it. But a dozen years ago, I wanted to skim through the righteousness up here on the screen here. I wanted to skim through the righteousness. You know, I wanted to get past that and kind of hurry through the peace part because my whole point of the series that I did 12 years ago was I felt like I needed more joy in my life and I felt like the church needed more joy. And so I did this series to get to the joy and thought, I just want to get through the righteous and get through the peace as fast as I can and get to the happily ever after, the joy part. And 
yet I realized in the midst of that series, I shared this last week, confessed that right in the midst of that series, God really dropped into my heart and into my life how important the righteousness part of it was, that it was probably the most important of the three words, and that Paul somehow got it right in the order in which he put it. And I, and I, and, and I shared with you how important righteousness is in our lives as Christians. Righteousness, as I defined it last week and 12 years ago, righteousness is simply rightness. Being right. And, and we all recognize when things are not right. There seems to be an innate ability in us to recognize right from wrong. We hear that phrase a lot. What's wrong with this picture? And we hear that phrase because we do know what's wrong with this picture, whether it actually, whether it's actually a picture. I Google that and actually you can look on Google images and there'll be pictures where you can look at these pictures and, and try to figure out what's wrong with the pictures. And we can figure that out, but there's also pictures all around us. There's, there's, you know, everywhere we look, we say there's something wrong. As Lori was saying, even with our own daughter, we began to recognize there was something wrong with this picture. There's, there's pr- plenty of things wrong with the pictures in our world. But it's good to know that God's purpose is to increase righteousness or rightness in us and through us and all around us. That's God's purpose. He wants to make things right. How do I know that God wants to increase this? Because I've shared this and I don't want to really go over this much, but I've, that, that I've shared that the nature of God's kingdom is to increase. When God introduced His kingdom, when He talked about it in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and He says the government's going to be upon His shoulder, and of the increase of this government and peace, there's not going to be any end. So when God inaugurated the kingdom with the coming of Jesus Christ, that started the kingdom, and He said there's not going to be any end to the increase of that kingdom. The nature of the kingdom of God is to increase. So we can expect increase of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? We have it right here. The kingdom of God is righteousness. So if the kingdom of God, we can expect increase of the kingdom then we can expect an increase in in righteousness and in peace and in joy in us, through us, and around us. Wherever the kingdom is, we can expect an increase of righteousness and peace and joy. In other words, here's something I said 12 years ago. I haven't used much of what I said 12 years ago. It's It's been all fresh and new. But I listened to my message from 12 years ago on this, and I have to say this again because this was good. And I thought, that was pretty good, what I said 12 years ago. I'm going to use that. I'm going to plagiarize myself here. Here, Here's what I said 12 years ago. Wrong things are going to be made right. Upside down is going to be right side up. Crooked things are going to be made straight. Darkness is going to give way to light. Curse is going to be overwhelmed by blessing. Mercy will triumph over judgment. Death is dying and life springs forth. Chaos is going to come to order. Isn't that good? That's good. And all those are based on Scriptures that God has promised us. Okay? Doesn't the Bible say that, that, that light is going to overwhelm darkness? Darkness cannot overwhelm light. So, and all of that because, both in, because the kingdom of God is on the increase. And the more things become right in my life, the more things become right in my life, the more peace 
increases in my life. Paul had to have understood this as he places these words in this particular order. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And the more I, uh, the more I understood this, as I said 12 years ago, I looked at this and I thought, joy is the most important part of these three to me. I want the joy. We can kind of skip the righteous. Would like a little bit of peace too. But I really want the joy. And so I thought joy is the most important part. But Paul got it right. He got, he got it right because righteousness comes first. It has to come first. And then peace, then follows peace, and then follows joy. So Paul got it right. And Paul understood the Old Testament. He understood. Paul called himself in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul said, I am a Hebrew of... Paul said, you want Hebrew? You want to know what a Hebrew is like, an Israelite is like? I'm an Israelite on steroids. I'm, I'm a Hebrew of... That's what he was saying. That's in our vernacular. That's what we would say. But Paul said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Okay? I'm a Texan of Texans. You know, we understand that. Paul's saying, I am as about as Hebrew as you. So Paul knew the Old Testament. And Paul knew Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. Look at this. The effect of righteousness will be what? Peace. The effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quiet and trust forever. So you can't skip righteousness. I, I, I'm going to show you four other translations of this. The next slide here. The effect of righteousness is peace. Another translation says the fruit of righteousness is peace. The work of righteousness is peace. The result of righteousness is, uh, is peace. What he's saying here is that, is that when, we, when we get things right in our life, it is going to produce, guess what? Peace. It's going to produce peace. That the kingdom of God is righteousness, which ultimately leads to peace. Come on, let's, let's be honest. We know that when things are not right in our life, there's not a lot of peace, is there? We, we feel that. We feel that there's just not a lot of peace in our life. Peace follows righteousness. When you start getting things right in your life, when things are right in your relationship with God and with others, you can't help but be overwhelmed with the sense of both peace and also ultimately joy. That's why Paul admonishes us to do this in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Remember last week I, when I was talking about righteousness, I, I, I said that, that righteousness is rightness in, in every area of our life. Being right with God. And right, being right with God, by the way, is following God's commands as well, of course but it also means a right relationship with God. But it also means a right relationship with each other. Doesn't John say in 1 John, he said, you can't say I'm right with God and be wrong with this person. He said, you cannot, be, you cannot say you love me and hate your brother. You cannot do that. If you hate your brother, you really don't love me. So there's a, there's a connection between being right with God and being right with each other. And that's why I emphasize so much and why God took me 12 years ago through that period of time in my life where I realized I have got some people I need to forgive. And by forgiving them, I'm making that relationship right again. And by making that right, guess what happened? Suddenly, peace overwhelmed me. And guess what happened next? I was full of joy. So you can't skip righteousness. So, what kind of peace is Paul talking about in Romans 14, 17 when he says, 
that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but is righteousness, peace, and joy. What is What kind of peace is Paul talking about? For most of us, peace just means the absence of conflict. When we hear about peace in the Middle East, what we think about is no conflict, right? And for the average person, when they hear the word peace, that's what they think about. But peace is such such a much broader and bigger and depth and uh, full of depth and richness than just the absence of conflict. Remember, Paul said, I said Paul says he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And so Paul would know the richness and depth of meaning in the Old Testament word for peace. So when Paul chose that word, when he said righteousness which leads to peace, Paul's just Paul's not saying, and by the way, if you think about it, Paul would be being redundant if all, all peace means is absence of conflict because isn't that which righteousness is? I'm not in conflict with you anymore. In other words, I've gotten things right with you. So if righteousness is getting things right with you, then peace is absence of conflict. Didn't he just say that? So it'd be just it'd be redundant. So peace is much bigger than just an absence of conflict. So Paul knows, Paul is very, very aware of the richness of the word for peace in the Old Testament, which we all know is shalom. We all know shalom is the Old Testament word for peace. And so Paul would know the richness of that word, and that's why he would choose that word to say, once you get things right in your life, guess what happens? Shalom. Shalom. Now, I've talked about this over the years, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But it's important that we understand how comprehensive this word is. Shalom is one of those Hebrew words that we don't have an English equivalent for. In a lot of Old Testament words, like um, hallelujah just means hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. Elohim just means God. So there's a one-to-one translation. Anytime you find Elohim in the Hebrew, that means God. When you find shalom, they had a difficult time knowing what word to choose for that because there's no English equivalent. We don't have anything close to this. Because shalom, uh, and, and over the years if I sh- as I've shared this, I have a sheet of paper, actually it's on my iPad, I have a sheet of paper that has 70 different English words used in the Old Testament to try to translate that one Hebrew word shalom. And sometimes it's peace, but sometimes it's other stuff. So 70 different... And, and in the past, I've read some of those words too. Instead, this time I did it graphically. i just giving you a word cloud here. These are some of the 70 words that are translated uh, when, you, when the Hebrew word shalom is translated. It can be translated success or benefit or contentment or peace or uh, safety or favor or good or wealth or prosperity, health, rest, ease. I'm just reading these off. Order, harmony, uh, unscathed, I see, assurance, integrity. And the point of this, here's the point of this exercise. I don't hear any bad words in this. I don't see evil. I don't see sickness. I don't see, I don't see any bad words here. And so, and I, and, and I didn't hear anything I wouldn't want in my life, right? Choose any one of those. Wouldn't you want any one of these things? Friendship. You know, peace. Well, peace is one, of course. Satisfaction. Blessing. I mean, who wouldn't want any of these things in their life? So years ago, when I shared this years ago about sh- the word shalom, is I, I defined it this way. 
put it up on the screen here. Shalom just simply means, is my definition, because I didn't see anything bad there, I said, okay, shalom just means all good things. Think of any good thing, and that's included in the word shalom. So when Paul said righteousness and then peace, righteousness leads to peace, the effect of righteousness and the work or the 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 uh, the the product or the fruit of righteousness will be peace. How about that? I mean, who wouldn't want this kind of peace? If you can think of anything good, it's wrapped up in that word shalom. Not only that, but God links Himself to this word. God calls Himself the God of peace, the God of shalom. I am the God of shalom. And and uh, and a verse that we've looked at several times in the last couple of weeks, Isaiah nine verses six and seven. Uh, his name shall be it was um, uh, for unto us a son is born unto us a, uh, unto us a child is born unto us a son is given he should be named wonderful counselor mighty God and prince of peace prince of shalom so God calls himself I am the God of shalom and he also says that he is the Jesus Christ is the prince of shalom. Not only that, but God calls the covenant that He makes with us, He says, I'm going to make a covenant of shalom with you. Isn't that amazing? My God is the God of peace who makes a covenant of peace with me. So who wouldn't wouldn't want an increase of peace in their life? Who does not want an increase of shalom in their lives? An increase of favor and wellness and friendship and safety and goodness and, and so forth. He calls himself the God of peace. He's never been called the God of cursing. He doesn't call himself the God of sickness. He doesn't call himself the God of division. He calls himself, I am the God of shalom. That's the God we serve. Now, I've been saying for the last three weeks, and by the way, that's the kingdom of God in in you. The title of this series again is The Kingdom in Me. And that kingdom, that peace in me is to increase. All of those good things are to increase in me. But I've, I've been sharing the last two or three weeks that there's two parts to this. There's the God, there's the kingdom in me and the kingdom through me. That we are to impart the kingdom of God wherever we go. The kingdom of God is at work in you and also wants to work through you. So the kingdom of God is increasing in the world I touch because I touch it. I'm going to say that again. The kingdom of God is increasing in the world that I touch because I touch it. Because the kingdom of God in me is imparted to the world around me. And I've been sharing that we've been respon- we are responsible to, responsible to impart the kingdom of God, which means we are responsible to impart righteousness, rightness, shalom, and then ultimately joy. This morning we're focused specifically on peace, so I want to I talk about imparting peace to our world just as Jesus did. And what does that mean? Remember what peace is? How do I impart peace to our world? I impart goodness, welfare, kindness, blessing, safety. We could put that cloud up there again and you could see all the ways we are to impart peace. We are to impart all of these things to our world. Friendship, uh, wellness, goodness, wholeness, security, welfare, prosperity, etc., etc., etc. Because we are in a crooked world that needs to be made straight and we're in an upside-down world that needs to be set right right side up. And we're called to make a difference. Now, I thought about this for a long time a couple of days ago as I was was meditating on these these verses. And I thought, 
There's an interesting connection, and this might sound like a weird segue, but let me just talk about this for just a minute. <clears throat> There's a hint of, of this whole thing in something as simple as our typical greeting that we have to each other. The typical greeting to each other, uh, there's, there's, there's almost an echo in the greeting that we have towards each other of a knowledge that we need to be about changing our world. We don't think about it so much. I've talked about this in the past. We've kind of made fun, about, uh, fun of it. I've made fun of it. Where we greet each other with, uh, how you doing? How are you? As we're passing somebody because we don't really want to know. You know, how, we do that, don't we? And I've talked about this, how silly that is sometimes. You know, you can be walking by somebody in a convenience store. You're passing somebody, it's a total stranger. How you doing? You just keep going. Because you don't really want the answer to that, right? We've talked about that. But there's something about that. I think there's, a, there's an echo in that wherever, whenever that started. Because if, we if we were genuine about that, if we really said that in such a way that we really want to know, what we're, what we're asking for is what is missing in your life that I can help impart something good there. We don't stop to do that because it's just almost replaced hi or just nodding our head or something like that. But, but bear with me for just a moment. Originally, it was, it was a genuine desire to know if the person was okay or let me put it this way, it was a genuine desire to know if the person was at peace. Okay, now listen here. That simple question, how are you doing? How are you? Covers every possible area that shalom can cover. Someone asked me, I, I, I uh, was with somebody two or three days ago that I hadn't seen in several years. And while we were visiting, at some point, the guy said, how have you been? And it was genuine. It was a genuine question. And I knew that, that, that he was asking in general and it could cover almost any area. How you been spiritually? How's your family? How's your health? All the things that Shalom covers. Blessing, prosperity, health, wealth, friendship. All of those things, that, that cloud that we looked at, all of those things are covered in that. And so when he asked me that, I, I, I knew what he was asking. How are your kids? He didn't say that. But he said, when he said, how are you? How you been doing? He's asking, how's your family? How's your kids? How's your health? How are you feeling? How's your business? How's work going? How are your relationships? In other words, how's your world? And I answered him, by the way, in, in one area that was, was specifically most important to me. Because it could, I could have said anything. I could have said something to him and responded to him about my family or about my health or about this or about that or the other. But I responded to him in one specific way. But it covered, it was an umbrella that covered it all because that's what Shalom covers. So he was really saying, are you at peace? Are you at Shalom? And interestingly, by the way, in modern Hebrew today, they have a version of how are you? Their version of how are you or how are you doing is this. It's ma shlomka, which translated means what is your peace? And that you can see the word shlomka, shalom in that word. That's a form of shalom. What is your peace? 
Because that's, and, and what we say really is an echo of that. Now, we don't take the time to really find out. We just kind of say it as, ah, how you doing? Don't really want to know. Just keep going. But really, there's an echo of, of that genuine desire to say, I want to impart peace where there is no peace. So how are you? What is your peace? And if, and if you're missing peace in this area, I want to impart that to you. Again, it's a throwback to this, this genuine interest in knowing how we can impart peace. And it's more than just a greeting. 20, at least 25 times in the Old Testament, we read the words, peace to you. Jesus said it frequently. He used those same words. He said, peace be to you. That was not just a greeting. That was a genuine desire to impart shalom to that situation. 20 times in the New Testament epistles, it begins with these words, peace to you. That's how important this word is in the Bible. It's not something we can skim over. It's not just more than just a generic way of saying hi, but seems to be an, an intentional, intentional impartation of peace. And there seems to be this pattern in the Bible of declaring peace to all who will hear and all who will receive. We are agents of God's peace wherever we go. Remember in the Gospels, when Jesus sent out His disciples, including 72 others, and He did this in, in Luke chapter 10, but He gave instructions as to how they were to minister. I'm going to send you out, and I want you to go out, and I want you to minister. And the first thing that He told them to do was to impart peace. And here it is. He said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. That's your cue. <laughs> whatever house you enter, you're going to go get ready. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. This is real. I mean, Jesus is, is about to give them instructions as to how to cast out demons and how to heal the sick and how to do all of these things. But he first, before he says anything else, the first thing you do is you are to impart peace wherever you go. When you come to a house, you are to first of all say, peace be to this house. Is that just a simple greeting? Open the door, peace, go in, do your thing. It's more than that because notice what it says. If a son of peace is there, and there's all kinds of different translations of this, but the idea is, is that if, this, if there's somebody who is receptive to the peace, who, who embraces the peace, it will rest upon them. So it's more than just a declaration. It's you imparting peace somehow in a very real way, in a genuine way, so much so that how in the world can it return to you if there's nothing, if there's something that isn't imparted? See? So it is something that really happens. It's something that is imparted to them. Otherwise, it can't return to you. Or Jesus is just saying a bunch of mumbo jumbo here and doesn't know what he's saying. It's, it's real. It's genuine. And so he says, he says, uh, you know, this is not just a trivial thing. It's something real. And, and uh, you're imparting a, a genuine peace, shalom, into that person's life. 
by your words and by what you do and your, and your actions. Jesus said something similar, and I don't think I have this, uh, this up here. Uh, John chapter 14, 27. That's the last one, right? Yeah, I goofed on this one. Okay, anyway, but anyway, Jesus said in John 14, 27, He said, peace I leave you. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Notice He called it my peace. My peace I give to you. Now, by calling it my peace means that it was first in Him and it was something then He could give out from Him. Remember, I've said there's two parts to this. There's the peace in us. There's the shalom in us. You can't give something you don't have. If you don't have peace, you can't give peace. Jesus said, um, uh, whatever we receive, we are to give. Freely you have received, freely give. So if you have received peace, you have peace to give. So it's got to start with us. It's got to start here. Shalom in us. The shalom of God in us. And then we impart that to others. We have something to give. And that's what Jesus was saying. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. My peace I give. So we can only give what we have. And so first it is in us and then it is through us. Now, this is a very short version of something I shared 12 years ago, but it's still important to understand that this is not just a trivial part of this, this trinity here of righteousness, peace, and joy. But peace is, is, is just as important as righteousness. Righteousness is... We have to start there, right? And then righteousness leads to the shalom that we can then impart to other people. And I want you to begin to think about that. When you say to someone, think about when you're saying, how are you doing? Or maybe you should say, how's your peace? Lori and I uh, used to know this couple when we were involved in a marriage ministry. And every time we were around them, they would say, how's your one flesh? And we knew that every time we met with them, they were going to ask us that. So we had to be on our toes. We thought, we've got to have an answer for that. So we better have our one flesh in order. Right? So, but, but the point is, and I just may remember that because uh, it was <laughs> MMI, right? Yeah. Uh, how's your one flesh? But, but in, in a way, what we're, what we're doing is we're saying, how's your peace? Because we're genuinely wanting to know, is there something going on in your life that I can help you with, that I can impart peace to, give you, a little piece of the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this moment in your life right now. Amen.